Heads up, before we get into this, this gets into descriptive sexual abuse and also talks of suicide, so feel free to stop listening if that's too triggering for you. July 27th is what I refer to as my Freedom Day, and this year marks 11 years since the last time that I was sexually abused. And as someone who is in the field of work that I'm in that has to do with storytelling, I often think about my own story and the best way to tell it. I think about what happened to me every single day. It is a huge part of the person that I am. And being as I'm in radio, talking into a microphone is really when I'm the most comfortable. So it only makes sense to talk about my story in this way. I've also been listening to a lot of old episodes of Oprah lately, and I'm really envious in the way that she can just mention that she was sexually abused without it feeling like she's seeking attention or trying to gain sympathy. And she uses it as a way to educate. And listening to her talk about her story over the years, it really has made it so much easier for me to be so open about mine and I'm sure others as well. So I really hope to continue that train by talking about mine today. The thing about grooming a lot of the time is that you don't realize that it's happening until it's too late. I was 12 when I started to get groomed by my stepdad. He was 55. I was jealous. He was spending so much time with my older sisters and not as much with me. And he would take my sister Kara on these walks that I wasn't allowed to go on. And they started spending more time together. And there was one instance where I walked into them in the basement talking and Kara was in tears. I didn't know why she was crying, but I knew I shouldn't have been there at the time and that it wasn't my business to ask. So I left and I didn't say anything about it. But it didn't take long, though, for the attention to move to me. I was then asked to go on these walks and talk to him to go on rides with him to pick up Frosties from Wendy's for the rest of the family, and I just soaked it up. My dad had died three years earlier at this point, and I was feeling lost and lonely, and I loved that there was someone new to do all these things with me that my dad once did with me. It turned into almost an ongoing joke at that point that I was his favorite. Everyone in the family knew that this was the case, and I loved any chance to be the center of attention and make people happy, so this was totally fine by me. He talked to me in private about how I just understood him, unlike the other siblings in my family. He would drive me to school on Tuesday mornings after I had violin lessons, and on those drives when we were alone, he would always find ways to turn the topic, whatever we were talking about, whether it was my homework or the church lesson that week that I was working on, to be about him and I. He would find ways to talk about how we had this one-of-a-kind bond, him and I, and that no one else had and would never really understand. And with that, he started to get me to really turn on my siblings and my mom without even really realizing it. He would talk negatively about them, about how they were selfish, and they didn't care about him or anyone other than themselves. And I remember there was weeks, if not months, where I just despised my mom. I didn't totally know why, but I knew that she was not to be trusted. And that was a narrative that he really liked to hammer home. Over months, he gained my trust more and more. I was comfortable around him since he had lived with us for about a year at that point. Just for a timeline's sake, my dad passed away from lung cancer when I was nine. My stepdad married my mom when I was 11, and then at this point, I'm 12. So my stepdad, he was the one that was making lunches and helping us with homework, and he would give me little kisses and hugs when I needed comfort. He was my parent, and he did a good job at taking on that role. There was one day in March of 2006, I was hanging out in our sunroom at home. I spent a lot of time in this room since it had our two family computers, and I loved having a free afternoon to just sit online, talk to my friends on MSN, my favorite activity. Uh, He came into the room, and I was annoyed since I knew that whenever he wanted to talk, it would often take me away from whatever fun activity I was doing at the time or movie I was watching, because when he talked, he talked. Sometimes he would talk for up to two hours, and there was just no way to end it without him deciding that the conversation was over. 
hurt. So he turned me away from the computer and he was talking to me, as usual, talking about our special relationship. And this was nothing new. But what was new was that he told me he wanted to try something that he hadn't done before. He wanted to kiss me and not kiss me like a butterfly kiss, as he would describe it, but really kiss me like adults do. So I started to full on panic as he put his tongue in my mouth. And I can still remember that taste. That's the worst part about going through something so traumatic like this. It really just sticks with you, every part of it. I just remember wanting to gag. I hated it. I told him I never wanted to do that ever again. And he told me we would try again later. I knew the date of when this happened because I knew at the time my oldest sister Leah was on a school trip to the Netherlands for three weeks. And I remember wishing and praying that she would come home. I needed her. Not because I was going to tell her what happened, but because I just wanted more people in the house so there was less opportunities for him to do that again. He approached me the same day as the assault happened and he asked me how I felt about it. And I said I did not want to do what we did. And this set him off. The thing about angering him is that he just knew how to make life unbearable. Being the parent means that he had the upper hand and complete control over how my day ended up going. So he would take away privileges of seeing friends or just being able to enjoy a relaxing Saturday on the couch watching a movie. He would give this angry look that would just shoot down my spine and twist my stomach. I felt sick to my stomach over how mad he was at me for the next couple days. And I vividly remember going to the airport to go pick up Leah uh, with my family and how I just tried to ignore his glares, but I would catch one every once in a while. And it would be the same stomach nodding feeling just over and over. And I wanted to make him like me again so I could stop feeling like this. Little did I know that that would be a huge part of the routine over the next five and a half years. There was another time when he came into my room to say goodnight, like how he would do sometimes. But he caught me off guard because I was wearing a white tank top and I didn't have a bra on. And I was uncomfortable that he was in my room. So I folded my arms over my chest since the tank top was kind of see-through. He sat me down on the bed and he moved my arms away from my chest, telling me not to cover up my breasts and told me they were beautiful. Another sick to my stomach feeling. I really didn't like him talking to me like that and it made me so uncomfortable. And he would often spend time in my room with the door open, just sitting on my bed talking to me. The rest of the family didn't seem too phased by this since it was such a common occurrence. I can tell now that he was very strategic and he knew exactly what he was doing. It wasn't too long after that before he told me he was going to start coming into my room at night. He told me he was going to sneak in and he was going to lie next to me. And I wished so badly that I had a lock on my door, but I didn't. So before bed, when I knew that he was coming in, I layered up shirt after shirt, three different sweaters. The more layers, the more protected I was from him. I actually got pretty comfortable sleeping on my stomach with my arms across my chest to protect myself from when he would come in at night. And I can still sleep like that today. He started to come into my room more and more, and I would always just pretend that I was sleeping. When he thought I wasn't awake, he would shimmy his hand up and under all of my layers and put his hands all over me. The kissing, too, would start to happen constantly, multiple times a day. Any few seconds that we had alone together, it was a kiss or a grope or something to remind me that he was just always around. And I just became so numb to it. I just got to the point where I wouldn't even flinch or try and stop him. Whenever he wanted to do something more, this is how it would go. First, he would tell me what physical act that he wanted to do. I would say no. I didn't want to do that. He would talk to me about it for hours and break it down and explain how it should go and what should happen and why it's okay for it to happen. And I would just cry so hard begging him not to. He would explain that it's okay for us to do this because the two of us were in love. That's what his big talks are about. We were in love, but because of the situation with him being married to my mom and the age difference, that it had to be a big secret. And he would bring God into it and say, God gave us each other, but we're not in a position to be together. So this is really the closest that we could get. 
it. And if he said, I love you, I had to say it back. If I didn't, he would get upset. If I disagreed with anything that he would say, he would get upset. If he got upset, he would talk twice as many hours. He would critique me. He would call me names. He would yell at me and make me cry. It really started to just feel like torture. If he was happy, though, I had my freedom back. I could go to a friend's house. I could go on the computer. I could watch TV. Or I was just allowed to be a happy kid and sit by myself. If he was mad at me, there was just this dark cloud over the whole house, and I wasn't allowed to do much. Colors just became more dull. I hear about abuse situations where the person is so young that they believe their abuser when they say, for example, that he loves them. And I had sympathy for him at times, but never did I once believe that he loved me. I knew that he was saying that to be able to get what he wanted from me and what he wanted to do was abuse me. I had watched enough Oprah at this point to know what sexual abuse was, and I knew I was being sexually abused. But what I didn't know was how to get out of it or how to make it stop. The crying and the talks would continue for weeks with each new thing that he wanted to do. So he would break me down, going over the thing that he wanted to do over and over. And I could feel myself getting weaker, not being able to stand my guard as much over time. And I remember in the beginning feeling stronger than I did as years passed. I still thought at the time there was a chance that I could say no and he would say, okay, that's okay. It started with kissing and then every so often he would bring up the next thing that he wanted to do and it would start all over again. The crying, the begging for him to not and trying to persuade him to not want me. A lot of the times these talks would happen in parking lots. He would put me in the car to say we're going to go run an errand and then we would sit in a parking lot and he would just talk and talk. And I got really good at starting to just zone these out. But if he claimed that I wasn't paying attention, I could then repeat word for word things that he had said, even though I felt like I didn't even hear them, which I think now must have been some sort of survival thing. I liked mornings getting ready for school because I could usually be by myself. After school, though, that was a different story. When the school bus would turn down the street of my house, my stomach again would just turn. I immediately would check what cars were at home to assess what I was coming home to. If my mom's van was there, I could breathe. Most of the time, she wasn't since she was working so much on her new restaurant. His car, though, always in the driveway. If he was alone, I knew what I had to do. My sisters would be downstairs in the TV room, my brother would be playing PlayStation, and I would go upstairs to his room. He told my mom that he was an insomniac, which gave him a great excuse for if he was ever caught in the middle of the night awake. And he would take naps, quote unquote, in the afternoon to help catch up on the sleep that he lost by not sleeping at night, using big air quotes here. It was all a big part of his plan. I would go to his room and have to perform oral sex on him. My daily routine. It got so bad that I started to get a lot of jaw problems that I still deal with to this day. If I didn't go to his room, he would text me one of our codes, HBN, how about now? meaning the coast is clear for me to go up there. Afterwards, he would text me, you know, meaning I love you. And then in the middle of the night, around 3 a.m. is when he would come into my room every night. I would sometimes leave a laundry basket or a chair in the middle of the room for him to trip over on his way to my bed, hoping that it made enough noise to spook him into going back into his own room. At one point, I got my mom to get me a day bed that had three sides to the bed so that I would be more uncomfortable for him to get access to me in the bed and it would make the whole middle of the night routine a bit more difficult. Although I knew I was being sexually abused, I knew that from the outside it might look consensual. I was playing this role to keep him happy and try to get as much peace out of the situation that I was in. And in our talks, he'd always tell me about how much trouble both of us would be in if we got caught. I was petrified that no one would believe me. To him, it was an affair, and I was just so terrified that other people would think that it was too. And because of this, I never told a soul. I never even hinted that there was anything that was going on. And I think that's why my mom was so blindsided when I told her years later. I got really good at masking my emotions, putting on a smile when I needed to, and waiting to cry until I was by myself. 
Oprah has over 200 episodes on sexual abuse. And we would watch the show as a family. And there would be an episode about a stepfather abusing his stepchild. And he would pull me aside later and tell me that that wasn't like us. And in my head, I thought, that's exactly like us. There was another episode that I watched alone in my room where Oprah tells her audience, if you're being abused, to tell someone. If they don't believe you, tell someone else. Keep telling people until someone believes you. And I remember I looked at the TV and I remember saying out loud, I just don't know how. I don't know how to tell someone. I just felt so stuck. One time I had a friend over and he came home panicked. He wanted to talk to me on the porch and it took so long that I remember feeling embarrassed that I left my friend inside for so long on her own. And this was pretty early into the abuse and he wanted reassurance that if somebody asked me about what was happening that I would deny it, I would keep it a secret and not tell anyone. And we'd had those talks before, so I said, of course, I'm not going to tell anyone. Like, let me go back inside. But he was so persistent that I knew that there was something that must have been off. I found out later that he had made inappropriate comments to a teenage girl who was working at their restaurant. He touched her when she was working, and he made a comment about wanting to have sex with her. And she ended up telling her aunt, who then talked to him and my mom. And he was definitely spooked by getting caught for that. The abuse went on for a total of five and a half years. Every few months, the abuse got worse and worse. He always wanted more. I was 18 and in my first year of college before it would all come to an end. 13 to 18, my entire teenage years. I never planned to tell anyone what was happening. I really thought this was something that I was just going to keep with me for the rest of my life. I mean, he was a strong figure in our community. He was involved in our church. He helped out at our school. He coached our baseball team. He went on mission trips in other countries. And I was actually told by someone recently that he had abused them on one of these trips. The day I told my family everything came as a total surprise to me. I didn't wake up that morning thinking that that would be the day that I told everyone my big secret. My family and I, we would go camping in Prince Edward County every summer since before I was born. It was our summer tradition, and that summer was no different. My two older sisters, Leah and Kara, they were moved out of the house by then. They were married. Leah was pregnant with her first child, but we all met up to camp together. My stepdad had to go back home, which was about three hours away, to help a friend with some work. And my mom was on her way up to the campsite that day. So the night before that, since my mom wasn't there yet, it was a perfect opportunity for him to abuse me. So he told me to be back at the campsite at midnight, and in anticipation of that, I drank some coolers. I didn't want to be abused sober. This was the first time that I'd done that, and he could smell the alcohol on my breath. I was making the whole situation in the tent really difficult for him that night, which really frustrated him. So he got upset at me, and he took off on his Vespa. I still can't hear the sounds of Vespas without getting that stomachache feeling. He left and he drove back to our hometown that night since he needed to be back in the morning anyways. I was relieved that he was gone, but him being gone and mad just meant that he would blow up my phone. He might as well have been sitting right next to me. If I didn't answer, he would continue to text, he would call me names, he would just make me feel ill. My mom got to the site around dinner time and he was still blowing up my phone. But at this point, he was accusing me of not being faithful to him and he asked me if I was gay, which he'd never brought up before. So I quickly connected that he must have gone through my room at home and found my journal where I talked about him abusing me. I talked about figuring out that I'm gay and talked about a girl I had a crush on at the time. For a while, I had an escape plan if I ever needed one. I would save up extra money that I had for my job. I would put it in cash in an envelope in my room. I had a few thousand dollars and a car, and I thought if I ever needed to run away, I could figure it out. And a few weeks before all of that, I needed to pay tuition for school, and I was a few thousand short. So I took that money, and I thought, that's fine. I'll just start saving up again. No big deal. What are the chances I'll actually get that opportunity to run away anyways? 
And usually when he blows up my phone and he's upset at me, it's because he wants something from me. But this felt totally different and I didn't know how it would go. So he talked before about taking me away, kidnapping me, running away with me. So I was scared that given this situation and him finding out that I'm gay, which is also a huge no-go in our church and our religion, that that might be his next plan. So realizing that I didn't have the money to run away with on my own, I thought I have to figure out a way to kill myself. That just seemed like the next reasonable thing to do because by that summer, I was just so depressed. I was so exhausted from him abusing me. I just didn't see my life getting any better. But then I thought, if I'm going to kill myself, I just can't, I can't imagine him speaking at my funeral. I can't let him win in all of this. So I would tell my mom everything. And then if she didn't believe me, which I assumed that she wouldn't, then I would go and do what I needed to do. My mom was still getting settled at the campsite. And I asked her if I could talk to her in the car. It was the one place on the site where you could get a little bit of privacy. She took what felt like forever to come over and talk to me as I just sat there feeling completely numb. It was probably about 10 minutes. She got in the car and I just looked down at my lap and I just said, your husband has been sexually abusing me for the last five years. And of course, her reaction was just total shock. She just yelled, what? What? Over and over. And it took her a second to process what I was telling her, but she believed me. She never didn't believe me. She started asking me questions, asking me how long it had gone on for, and all this time he was still blowing up my phone. So I showed her his text as proof. And then she took my phone, she texted him, and she said, this is Irene. Shannon told me everything. I never want to see you again. And he responded saying, how much time do I have? So my mom asked me, she really did all the right things. She asked me if I wanted to wait to tell my siblings or to just not tell them at all. And I was so relieved to be done with the secret that I just wanted to tell them right away. So we actually waited a few days to call the police. It was rare at this point that our whole family was together in one place and not working. So we just took that time that we had to sit together and talk about everything. And I tried my best to go into as much detail over everything that had happened over the last five years. It was during these conversations that I learned that he had tried with both of my older sisters, but wasn't able to get through to them and then took advantage of me. I explained to my family that I wasn't being a hermit this whole time and not being able to hang out with friends, that it was his rules that I wasn't able to leave the house anymore. And it wasn't that I hadn't dated in years, it was because he wouldn't let me have boyfriends. I was a different person than the one I was pretending to be and finally I could be myself again for the first time in years. My family being in the Christian denomination that they're in means that they're not totally accepting of me being gay and being in a relationship with a woman. So still to this day, I don't truly ever feel like I am able to be myself around my family, first for this situation over those years and now being gay, which is still something that really upsets me to talk about. But I hope one day that that's no longer the case. But I am right now lucky enough to have so many amazing friends around me that celebrate me for being me. And I feel very grateful for that. After we got home from camping, we called the police and he was arrested. He was charged with three things, sexual assault, sexual exploitation, meaning taking advantage of my vulnerability, being his stepchild, and sexual interference, which means the touching of any body part of a young person for a sexual purpose. He, of course, went with the narrative that him and I were in a consensual relationship. Surprise, surprise. He claims the abuse started when I was 16, which happens to be the age of consent in Canada. What a coincidence. The court case went on for about a week, and I was on the stand for one day. And during that time, when he took the stand, I wasn't allowed in the courtroom in case they needed to call me back for anything else. In court, they asked him about dates and how he knew that I was 16 at the time. And he explained, since my birthday is in December, he remembers it because that was the year that he bought my mom a vehicle for Christmas. My lawyer, who was just the best, had the dealership send over the paperwork that proved that the date that he bought my mom the vehicle was the year that I had turned 14. 
After that, his whole case fell apart. He was found guilty on all three charges and was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. The judge noted that he believed that I lived in a place of fear and believed without a doubt that I was being abused by this man. And this was one of the biggest reliefs since I just wasn't sure if there was enough evidence besides my word against his. Unfortunately, my stepdad was able to convince a few members of our church that the abuse was consensual, and they even spoke out publicly in support of him during the case. It hurts even more that these were distant relatives of ours, one even a dad of my best friend at the time. By this at this point, though, throughout the whole process, I was fine with only two people believing me, my mom and the judge. I believe the judge gave him that amount of time, five and a half years, because that was the same duration of my abuse. He was also labeled a sex offender for the rest of his life. He ended up serving about two years before he was released on good behavior. A few weeks after that, I found out he died of a heart attack. We've been calling this a tragic relief. I was close with his two children, who were a few years older than me, before they ended up taking his side in the case. For my sake, him dying allowed me to come back to Ontario from Alberta, to live near my family, and to live and work in Toronto without fear of running into him or him hearing me on the radio. So that is my story. It did happen over a long period of time, so of course there's lots of things that I didn't mention to avoid this being too long, but I do want to thank you for listening to my story. This definitely feels like a form of therapy for me, and I know that there are people listening who have gone through something similar. And with that, I just want to say, it doesn't matter if you were abused once, it doesn't matter if you were abused thousands of times, I hear people always saying, well, mine wasn't as bad. Abuse is abuse. There's also a lot of shame that comes with being abused. I often felt so much regret for not saying something sooner and feeling so stupid for not thinking that my mom would believe me. And I mourned those years that I could have been free. I feel guilty for not being healed, but I know that this is something that's going to take a lot of time. Everyone's journey is different, but remember, you are a good person and you didn't deserve what happened to you.